On September 11, 2001, in Boston, Massachusetts, American Flight 11 took off from Logan Airport at 8 o'clock sharp. United Flight 175 followed close behind. Both Boston flights were scheduled to fly to Los Angeles that morning. Uh, in Washington, D.C., Flight 77 also headed to Los Angeles, took off from Dulles Airport about 8.10. Of the four cross-country flights, with terrorists aboard each one, only one remained on the ground. That was Flight 93. Now, I want you to imagine for just a moment, you've just walked down the ramp to Flight 93, and you just sat down in one of the seats on that airplane. There are seven other people who are getting ready to board the plane. Uh, the first one is a man by the name of Mark Bingham. He's a 6'5", former rugby player, very, very tough guy and a, a risk taker. Also coming on board is a man by the name of Tom Barnett. He was from California. He's a father of three little girls. He's an executive of a healthcare company, big man, quarterback his high school football team. He was seated in first class right next to Mark Bingham. Also coming on board was a third person named Jeremy Click. He's an NCAA judo champion, 6'1", 220 pounds. Next was a guy by the name of Lou Nash, 5'11", 210, stocky fireman. Rich Godado is the next one coming on board. He's an ex-law enforcement officer who's trained in hard combat. Linda Grohan was a brave American woman. She's a lawyer, but also a brown belt in karate. And lastly, there's a man by the name of Todd Beamer. He's six feet, he's a strong athletic man, and he's a leader. And as the plane begins to taxi down the runway, suddenly it lifts and it takes off, and it's just a normal flight for the first 45 minutes. At this point, People on their phones are starting to get word that tragedy has just struck the Twin Towers. And then shortly thereafter, a 9-11 operator receives a phone call. And on the other line of the phone call was Todd Beamer. And he begins to describe something that's happening in the air aboard Flight 93. He says, terrorists have killed the pilots and have hijacked the flight. The flight starts wobbling back and forth until the... Terrorists get control of the plane, and uh, it started moving in a downward direction, I understand, and then the terrorists were able to smooth it out. And the operator, the 911 operator, describes the panic that she could hear on the other end of the, the phone. She could hear the voices in the background. And uh, when the plane jolted, Todd shouts out over the phone, we have to do something, I don't think we're going to make it out of this. And so he begins to describe to the operator that uh, him and some other passengers around him were about to rush the cockpit. He said, we're not going down without a fight. We think they're headed for Washington, D.C. We think they're headed for the White House, and we're not going down without a fight. And the 911 operator begins to pray for them that are on board. After the prayer concludes, the last audible words that are heard on that 911 call are from the voice of Todd Beamer as he yells out, let's roll. The, the group races to the front of the plane, to the cockpit. It's a distance of about 100 feet, and you can hear screams of commotion all over the plane and phone calls from several people on board 
Some are sending messages to their loved ones, telling them that their loved ones, uh, or that they love them and that they're probably not going to make it out of this. And so they rush the cockpit, and the plane flips, and it crashes into a field, bursting into flames. Made a hole in the earth some 50 feet deep. Thousands of gallons of jet fuel scorched the trees in the area and the field, and everyone on board is lost. Everyone on board is gone. No survivors. And the last words audible recorded from the flight were that of Todd Beamer saying, let's roll. It was a commitment. It was a message of sacrifice. And I believe that we need to have that same type of tenacity in our lives today when it comes to facing the fears that Satan tries to throw at us. It's time that we say, you know, we're not going to sit back and we're not going to just let things happen. And we need to ask ourselves, is there anyone here who's brave enough? Is there anyone here who's bold enough to step out from the crowd of the world and say, Satan, we're not going to take it anymore. We're tired of just letting you wreak havoc in our world. We're tired of letting you wreak havoc in our lives. And are we willing to say, let's roll. Let's, let's do battle with Satan. Are we willing to say, watch out, Satan, because we're, we're coming after you. The Bible says that the very gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And what we do sometimes is we cower back down and we think what that means is that, okay, if we have our defenses up and, and, and we've got our guard up, then Satan can't touch us. And while that's partly true, the real message that the Bible is trying to tell us is that God expects us to go out and gain territory, not just sit back and wait for the attacks and try to shield them off. God is saying, let's roll. Let's go. Let's stop living in fear. Let's stop let, letting the enemy have his way in our lives. It's time to stand up and say, Satan, we're not afraid of you. We're not intimidated by you. Last week we learned that God did not give us a spirit of fear, right? But he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self Discipline. We also learn that there's a couple different types of fear. There's healthy fear, you know, like being smart enough to be afraid of snakes and spiders and tornadoes and that kind of stuff, right? And then there's unhealthy fear that comes from Satan that causes us to think irrational thoughts, that causes us to doubt God, that causes us to be paralyzed spiritually and physically. Well, today we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul again, and we're going to take it a step further, and we're going to learn how to appropriately respond to the unhealthy fear that is in our lives that Satan throws our way. As we sang just a moment ago, when we fight our battles, it's with our hands in, our, in the air praising the Lord, and it's down on our knees in prayer to Him. Not just sitting around hoping that things change. Not just sitting around continuing to do the same things over and over and over again and expect something different to happen. That's the definition of insanity. We don't want to do that, right? So here's the deal. For many of us, fear and anxiety, those are just natural responses to the things that, that come up in our lives, the troubles that we have in our lives, and it's so deeply ingrained in our thinking, it's so much in our DNA, that you could say that for some of us, fear is actually a habit. Well, the good news is this. Just like any other habits, you can kick it. 
right? You can create new habits. You can take your life in a direction, a different direction, that's different than you used to be. You can develop new habits in your life. You can get rid of the old ones. And in this letter to the church at Philippi, the Apostle Paul gives us a couple of uh, verses that I believe are extremely important for us today. And in my nearly three decades of ministry in the church, I've probably shared this verse more often with people who are going through difficult times, people who are fearing different things in their lives uh, while counseling couples or individuals. I have shared this passage of Scripture. Uh, uh, I haven't been keeping track, but I'm pretty sure more than any, any other. And it comes from chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. All right, let's just stop right there for just a second. He's basically saying there is nothing out there that should cause us to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. I don't care how bad it might look. I don't care how bad it might actually be. He says don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is telling us that we can be free from the fear that the enemy is throwing at us. We can choose to be free from the fear that is gripping our hearts and our minds and our lives. He says if we take it to the Lord and we give it to Him, He has promised to give us peace. And there are so many fears that we have in our lives that we just kind of cower down and let that fear overwhelm us and we don't even bother to take it to the Lord. You know? According to most studies, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld is quoted as saying this, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. Death is number two. Public speaking is number one. That doesn't make any sense to me. Jerry Seinfeld said, to the average person, if you have to go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than you are given the eulogy. Think about that for just a moment, right? I think I've mentioned this before, but when I started in Bible college, I was, uh, I was scared to death to get up and talk in front of people. Absolutely terrified. I hated high school speech class. Uh, I, took, I took regular speech and I took advanced speech. I don't know why I took advanced speech because I hated regular speech. I was scared to death to get up and talk in front of people. God had a plan all along. He was molding me and shaping me into what he wanted me to be. But I was afraid to stand up and preach in front of people uh, or to, to speak in front of people. I could get up in front of thousands of people and sing. wouldn't bother me a bit. But to get up and speak, that just absolutely terrified me. And I remember standing up in my Bible college class in front of about 10 other preaching students and giving my first sermon. I honestly thought I was going to throw up. It was terrible. I was scared to death. But as I went on, I kept this verse. God, you know, just, just kept playing this in my mind. You know, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Eventually, I overcame it. And God's desire for each of us is to overcome the fear and to overcome the anxiety that we deal with on a regular basis. And I think we can all agree that fear and anxiety, they're intimately related. Have you ever noticed that? We start to fear and then we start getting uptight. We start feeling anxious. And we'd love to be completely free from all that fear and anxiety. Just raise your hand if you'd like to have no fear and no anxiety. Just raise your hand. Be real honest. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, 
you've probably got some issues if you're wanting fear and you're wanting anxiety in your life. I think, you know, that's there's probably something going on there if you want that. But uh, being free from that, it almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? To think that you can be free from any of that. Does anyone else think that Paul sounds a little bit delusional when he says, don't be anxious about anything? You know? Has Paul ever had kids? No. You, you ever think about that? You look back and think, well, Paul, he's writing this stuff. Paul, you didn't even have kids. You don't know, you don't know what anxiety is about, right? Paul, we don't even know. You didn't even have a mortgage payment, right? You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have any social media. You didn't have health care deductibles. You didn't have credit card bills. You didn't have all of these different things that we have to deal with today. Paul, you have no idea how troublesome it is to live in the 21st century. Now, while it's true that Paul doesn't understand what it's like to live like in the 21st century, he did write this little letter to the church at Corinth. And in chapter 11, starting in verse 24, here's what Paul did know. He said, five times... I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. So basically everybody hates him, right? In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now, Paul hasn't had the same experiences that we've had. I don't think I'd want to trade him. Amen? He's had ample opportunity to be scared out of his mind. And he's had ample opportunity to turn it over to the Lord. And that's exactly what he's telling us to do. To work through this fear and this anxiety. He says to himself that he deals daily. His daily concern over all the churches that he's worked with. And in light of all of this, all of these things that are going on in his life, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in each and every circumstance. I've learned the secret. Now, here's a thought. If Paul really knew what the secret was to living a life that's free of fear and anxiety, what if he truly knew how to deeply be content in his spiritual life, if he really knew the secret, wouldn't you want to know it? Thankfully, we do, right? I believe that he really did know the secret. There's no way that a guy like Paul, who went through everything that he went through, who wrote this letter while in prison, okay? And this letter in Philippians is just filled with joy, joy, joy. There's no other way that you can describe a life free of fear and anxiety and contentment than to know what to do in that situation, 
right? And so here's what he says. And it's the same formula 2,000 years ago as it is today. To experience peace, we have to give it all to God. I know that sounds too simple. I know it sounds too Christian. I know it feels like the answer ought to be more complicated for such a complex and destructive problem. Just give it to God, right? But I know it's true. The secret that Paul learned about fear and anxiety and worry is that they don't belong in our hearts and our minds. There is a place for fear. There is a place for worry. There is a place for anxiety. But it's not in our hearts and our minds. It's in the hands of Jesus. Right? And he says, so whatever it is that you're going through, all of these difficult things that you're facing in your life, I want you to take them and I want you to place them in the hands of Jesus because that's where worry and anxiety belongs. And then the secret sauce, I guess, if you will, of our prayer life is to have this attitude of thanksgiving. We are to pray prayers of thanksgiving um, whenever we're praying about anything. Our, our prayers need to be laced with gratitude for what God has done for us. Right? Whatever situation you find yourself in. It's not that you just forget about what's going on in your life. It's not that fear and worry and anxiety, you just doubt that it exists and it'll go away. It's still there, but it has its proper place. You place it in the hands of God and you develop this habit of praying a prayer of gratitude. You place those troublesome situations, those circumstances in the hands of God instead of holding on to them yourself. And I think that's the problem. We might even be good at giving it to God initially, but then we don't like the answer or we're not feeling any better about the situation, and so we take it back. Has anybody ever done that? God, here it is. I give it to you. A couple days later, nothing's changed. All right, well, God, I'm not real satisfied with how you're handling things, so I'm going to take it back. Now, none of us would come right out and say that, but that's what we do, right? The difficulty in developing this habit in of placing it in the hands of God um, is that, um, well, I want to read this quote to you, and the, the author is unknown. He says, the difficulty is developing the habit in which you place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hands of God. That's the trouble that we have. Let me read that again. The, div the difficulty is developing the habit, okay, in which you place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hands of God. Because that's not our natural response. Our natural response, our go-to reaction is fear. Our go-to reaction is doubt, worry, complaining. Some of you know this story. Some do not, but October of 2010... My mom went into surgery for a triple bypass, or a double bypass, I'm sorry, a double bypass. And um, open heart surgery, just routine, as routine of an open heart surgery as you can have. Now, I know open heart surgery is not routine, but they've come a long way uh, over the years. And so she went in for a double bypass, and we were concerned, and we prayed for her, but we're kind of like, you know, uh, we're going to get this done, everything's going to be okay, we weren't incredibly worried. The doctor told us there's less than a 2% mortality rate for this type of surgery. Well, she had her bypass. Everything went fine. 
some of the family spent the night up at the hospital. We came back to Columbus, uh, and um, we got a call in the middle of the night that um, her bypass didn't take. It, it closed up. I'd never heard of this before. The doctor said it, clo it closed up, something along those lines. It didn't take. And they said, we need to go back in and op open her back up and do a second double bypass surgery. And so now we've moved from, okay, we're concerned about this to like, oh my goodness, um, now we're worried, right? And so they performed the second bypass, they closed her up, and we prayed and we hoped for the best. That night, the whole family stayed up at the hospital because we knew this was a little more serious this time. Um, and the doctors came in in the middle of the night and woke us up in the lobby and said, hey, her vitals are not good at all. Uh, we think what's happened is her heart has suffered so much trauma that there's not room inside of her chest for her heart to beat. It's swollen to the point of not being able to beat. So they said, we need to go back in a third time. And our plan is to open her up and just leave her open to allow her heart room to be. And we prayed specifically for healing. We prayed for understanding. We prayed for peace. We prayed for wisdom. And while mom never recovered, and we had to make the... The incredibly difficult decision to take her off life support. And while this is a decision I hope nobody in this room ever has to make, and if you have, I, I feel really bad for you. Um, can I just tell you that the amount of peace that our family had about the situation was unbelievable. We didn't want to lose mom. It hurt like crazy. I'm not going to lie. It still does. But the Holy Spirit settled on us. And I just felt like we had this peace in the midst of this situation that even though we just lost our mother, and even though it was incredibly heartbreaking, and even though we shed a lot of tears, God's word rang true in our lives. Even though we didn't get the answer that we wanted concerning mom's health, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 rang true in that hospital room at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon in Indianapolis on November 5th. It's not a little less than a month from the time she went in for her surgery. And here's why we experience this peace. And whatever you're going through in your life, I want you to understand you can have this peace as well. This is what Paul says to do, to experience peace. Make your requests known. I don't understand. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And we're faced with situations in our lives all the time. And we don't even ask. We don't even pray about it. We give lip service. We say, oh, I'm praying about it. But do you? You even tell your friends, oh, I'm praying for you. But do you? And one of the things I love about God is that he's not surprised about the way that you feel. Right? He formed you. He knit you together in the womb the bible says he's numbered our days he knows every hair on your head i understand that's easier for some but i can guarantee that he doesn't think that your fears no matter what it could be a fear of clowns there might be a few of you that fear of clowns it might be irrational it might not make sense to the rest of us 
But God sees that and he understands it. It might be a fear of COVID. It might be a fear of cancer. And that fear that you have about some of these things, it doesn't mean that you have less faith, but he does want to hear from you. He says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It could sound something like this. Here's, these aren't real cases. These, these are just sample prayers, hypothetical situations. It could sound something like this. Just pray something like this. Thank you, Lord, for the home that we have. Thank you for providing shelter and warmth and protection from the sun and the rain. I don't know how we're going to make our mortgage payment this month, but I do know that you do know how that's going to happen. Please calm our hearts and guide our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. I think what we do sometimes is we jump to, God, help. You know, God, pay my bill for me somehow, some way. Right? We forget all about the Thanksgiving part. That's part of it. Paul says, present your requests to God through prayer with thanksgiving. Here's another example. Thank you, Lord, for my dad. I love how hard he works every Sunday morning, brings donuts back to the house for us. But, Lord, he's been drinking again, and I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes he gets really angry. Please help him, Lord. Please keep us safe. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the first 70 years of life you've given to me. I could spend days recounting the endless blessings and grace you've poured over this life. I'm so completely humbled by your faithfulness, but I received a cancer diagnosis this week. I know you're not surprised to hear about this, God. You saw it coming a long time ago. But I'm so scared. I'm terrified to start chemo. Who's going to do Thanksgiving and Christmas this year if anything happens to me? I need to know you're with me, God. That this will all be okay one way or another, and I need to know that if I'm gone, that somehow you'll help, you'll help my husband eat three healthy meals a day. <laughs> Just got so much stuff going on in our lives, everyday troubles that sometimes... I don't know, maybe we take for granted or maybe we're too focused on them. I don't know, but God says whatever it is. Take them to him and pray about them and ask. You have not because you ask not. He says if you ask, then he will give you peace. If we're faithful to put our fear and anxiety in its proper place, in the hands of God, we can expect peace to follow. And so that's the third point, to experience peace. I think you have to expect peace. Because it's been promised to us, right? As you pray through fear, as you pray through trouble, as you pray through the adversity that you have in your lives, whatever the case may be, you make sure that you simultaneously hold the expectation that God is going to grant you peace. I cannot logically explain this whole peace that transcends all understanding because it says it transcends all understanding, so it's impossible to logically explain it, right? But I can tell you, I believe that it's possible. And I can tell you that it's absolutely amazing. If I could go back to the story 
of when my mom passed away, I personally experienced that peace that transcends all understanding. It made absolutely no sense in my heart and my mind to have the peace that I had after losing my mom. In fact, we lost mom on a Friday afternoon. That Sunday night, I was supposed to sing at a revival and speak at a revival. Two days after my mom passed away down in Scottsburg, Indiana, my family uh, members are asking me, are you, you're not going to go down and do the revival. How are you going to be able, you're not going to be able to do that? That's going to be so hard. I had such a peace about the situation that I didn't even think twice about going. I, I, I just knew that I was going to be okay. And if I canceled on that church, then mom would come back from the dead and she would whoop me. You know, because that's just the way she, she was. So there was a little bit of fear involved in that too. <laughs> I had peace and fear of mom. Uh, but later on in Philippians, Paul says he has learned the secret of being content. And here's the secret. And, and this is what happens. See, we have, we have abused this verse for years, right? We, we think that this, I can do everything through him who gives me strength, means that, you know, I'm going to go out and play ball this afternoon. I'm going to dunk a basketball, right? Then no, that ain't happening. Right? What this means is that Paul, Paul knows what we need to know, uh, that, that through, in the hands of God, through the power of Christ, anything is possible that God wants for our lives, that he wants us to do. If he's asked us to do something, is if, if he's promised us anything, it, those things, any of those things are possible. In other words, perfect peace and and, and rest and, and free from anxiety. Those things are possible. And I know that there are some people probably here today who have doubts in their minds about certain things. I know that there are some. Some of you right now are facing impossible situations that none of the rest of us in this room even know about. It might be terrifying to you right now. It might be medical, it might be relational, it might be family, it might be financial, it might be just the events of the world that's absolutely got you turned inside out. I know that a life free from fear and anxiety seems completely ludicrous sometimes. All I can ask you to do is commit to this. This coming week, would you commit to developing a more faith-filled response in each and every circumstance? I said just a little bit ago that the difficulty is in developing the habit in which you place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hands of God. Whatever it is that you come up uh, come into contact with this week. Maybe it's something that's going on in your life right now. Maybe it's something that you haven't even seen yet. But when you are faced with those situations, will you just stop for a moment and will you begin to try and develop the habit of just turning it over to God? More specifically, I suggest that maybe you take time every morning to just write out a few prayers Similar maybe to the ones that I mentioned to you earlier. Whatever's going on in your, your heart and your mind, would you just pour that out to God? Begin your prayer with gratitude. Name your request to the Lord. And would you just 
trust the process. He's promised it to us. Do you believe Him? Throughout the day, as trouble comes, practice that same thing. And it becomes a habit day after day after day where you are continually thinking about God. You're naming your requests to Him. And then you can you continue to take these small steps in this direction. I believe it's going to lead to big breakthroughs in your life and how you live your life. There is so much unhealthy fear in our world today. And I'll be honest, much of it is, I mean, there's legitimate reasons to have concern. But I think it's time for us as believers in Jesus to recognize it, start putting fear in its proper place. And you stand toe-to-toe with the devil and with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you say, let's roll. I'm not, I'm not going to cower to you anymore. I'm not afraid of you. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Do you believe that God is greater? Amen. We're going to offer a song of decision this morning and as we do, um, I encourage you to consider a couple things. Number one, if, if you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, we encourage you to do that. That's where it starts. Um, maybe you've already done that, but you haven't been real good at turning things over to God. You've been handling things on your own. And um, maybe there's some things you need to turn over to Him. I'm going to lead us in this song. I encourage you to sing it along. But if you have a need this morning, whether it's a decision to make publicly, maybe you just are going through some things and you want some folks to to pray with you. Um, Maybe uh, um, you specifically have some needs that um, you want to bring before the Lord this morning. We encourage you to do that. Uh, Let's stand together. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And... um, We encourage you.